Steve Mathis production. Check it out, Pulp MX fans. We're proud to announce iPhone users can now get the official Pulp MX app from the App Store and have archives, show drops and technical info, stories, and even exclusive bonus Pulpcasts not available anywhere else. As always, use the Mathis code at btosports.com, and when buying from Amazon, click the banner on pulpmx.com to show your support. It's the Steve Mathis Show, brought to you by RacerX, presented by BTOsports.com. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX Podcast Show. Uh, with me on the line is Chris Kiefer, a guy I've been trying to do one of these for a while with, but my bad, haven't been able to do it. And uh, always interesting to talk to one of the guys behind the scenes who is uh, uh, testing, working, grinding away, and uh, as well can ride a dirt bike uh, hella fast. So, Kiefer, thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate it. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, and uh, for people who don't know, also, uh, Kiefer, you've been running Pulp MX stickers uh, on the helmet. And we've got we've got them in Dirt Rider, which is one of your gigs. They've been in Dirt yeah, Rider. That's actually uh, no photo incentives, no nothing. Yeah, just straight yeah. up because I enjoy the show and I uh, wanted to get it out there more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no photo incentives. Thank God you weren't asking for that. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you for that. It's kind of cool to flip through the pages of Dirt Rider and uh, and see it here and there. But uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, what what what's your main gig nowadays? Obviously, you race pro. For a number of years uh, in the U.S. and up in Canada, but uh, what's kind of your gigs now? Uh, basically, my gig is I'm a full-time test rider, and that's how I make my bread and butter. Um, I do testing for obviously Dirt Rider magazine, and also Yamaha Motor Corporation. I'm on uh, you know contract uh, basis with them, and also I started my own testing business, which is called uh, Key for Ink, mm-hmm. and. I do a lot of different kinds of testing for different kinds of companies um, and just give them feedback because a lot of the companies nowadays, you know, don't have someone that can give them feedback on the riding portion on the track. So right, that's right. what my job comes in. Uh, and, and this is probably like quads and, and, and SUVs and or, uh, side-by-sides and all that stuff, right? Oh, yeah. Yamaha, man, the, everything from quads to, you know, obviously rhinos to actually – Went to Alaska and did snow plows because uh, <laughs> Yamaha was making like snow plows for one time. Yeah, so yeah. it's all it's in a range of crap. Um, and and the business, the Kiefer Inc. How's that going? And you're is it the same kind of deal? You're approaching manufacturers and things like that to uh, to to uh, peddle your services. Is that sort of how it works? Yeah, basically, you know, um, everything's confidential when you do a test anyway. So. Yeah. It's not like uh, if I went to, let's say, you know, an FMF or, and, um, for example, Pro Circuit, you know, yeah. there's nothing I could talk to them about anyway, so everything's confidential. So, yeah, I, I get with companies and say, hey, I can help you, you know, mm-hmm. with an ex, you know, you know what you guys Whatever make, is, yeah. and, uh, you know, go on the track, test it for them, fill out the sheets, and then uh, they and, have the feedback. And how's that going? How, how's, the re- how's been the response from, uh, from the industry? Uh, it's, it's it's slow right now, but it's catching on. Um, I have uh, just a couple people right now. Like I do stuff uh, for Yoshimira, mm-hmm. um, and I do stuff for uh, Ride Engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, it, it's catching on more and more. So hopefully, it grows and uh, 
and uh, people understand, you know, hey, I just want to make sure you yeah. guys' stuff is getting out there as best as possible. Right, right. Um, so, hey, uh, getting in the uh, in the time machine and going way back, uh, uh, talk about Chris Kiefer coming into the pro ranks and, and sort of where you grew up, where you cut your teeth at, and, uh, and how it went for you. Oh, man, let's see. Uh, Go back. It, yeah, we're going back now. Basically, my my dad was a desert racer, and, and I grew up in Asbury, California. You know, me and uh, me and good old Preston, uh, yeah, grew up down the street for uh, so we're desert rats. And uh, basically, yeah, just my dad stuck me in desert racing back in the day, and it, it kind of caught on. And then he stuck me in moto when I was about eleven, uh-huh. and just started doing that and racing. And when I turned, I don't know what, twenty years old, I. Try to you know. Oh, I'm gonna go pro and try to try to do my thing, which, you know, uh-huh. it didn't work out too well. But you know, I accomplished a, a few things, and uh, I'm pretty uh, proud of what I've done so far. Yeah, I mean, anybody who kind of lines up has done something to get there. You know what I mean? Um, what were some of the highlights? What what things uh, were you proud of? Um, actually, my highlight was in 2004 when I uh, hole shot at Anaheim. Um, I think it was Anaheim three mm-hmm. heat race, and I led the uh, shoot almost the whole time. I think I got past the last two laps by uh, what was it, a uh, Ramsey and Tedesco, and pretty uh, pretty surreal, man. I had yeah. a fast bike at the time because I was testing for KTM, so I had really good bikes, and uh, it was on the is when they had that split start. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, uh, around the around the home plate. And went around yeah, yeah. Play. So yeah. we had the split start, and I pulled holes shot. I didn't, hear, I didn't hear anybody for a long time, so I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh man, I might stick this out. And then, uh, right. of course, I got I got passed. But man, you can uh, people understand how well you know we can hear on the track when they start screaming. Man, you can it's it's like an right. earphone right in your ear. That's cool. Yeah, I don't know how, how many people can say that, right? I mean, that's awesome. I think, and I vaguely remember that. I really do. Two thousand and four. I remember watching it back on TV, and uh, I don't know who the hell was announcing it back then. But the guy didn't say my name for like a lap and a half, and I'm screaming at the TV. I'm like, "Dude, give me props! Like, what the hell? Like, I'm leading for a lap and a half." And oh, I think it was that Cameron guy at the time. Cameron Steele, yeah, 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 yeah. And he and and he was like, "Oh, that's uh, Chris Kiefer," and he, yeah. So it finally, took a lap and a half to set in. <laughs> well, hey, whatever. What what are you gonna do? And then uh, and you, you do, did you do some nationals? Yeah, I did some outdoor nationals. I never scored any points. I was, mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't very good. But then, uh, obviously, got offered to go up to Canada because uh, heard it was a little easier. So I started kind of fishing around to go do that, and right. I got a pretty opportunity to go do that. And um, shoot, I don't remember what year it was. I think it was two thousand five. Was my first year up in Canada with Andy White KTM. Mm-hmm. And, and how'd that go for you? It, it is, uh, it is a more relaxed. Uh effort up there for sure oh uh, it's yeah it's way it's way chill I, I actually since then it was it was it was great 2005 was kind of my, my first year with andy and mm-hmm. and it was it was pretty good our bikes weren't that great back then because mm-hmm. that's when the 250f ktm just started coming out and it was yeah. getting developed and uh some things were happening but um you yeah. know invite me back a few more times but yeah it got better from there obviously and the whole time you were testing for ktm still yeah, that was my uh, going back further to that too. Like that was my first real testing gig. Was uh, Paul Kramer kind of got me involved in doing the magazine thing first, uh-huh. but uh, and then it kind of leaked into uh, the, you know uh, KTM signing me and wanted me to do some stuff. The magazine, cool. I mean, I know enough of you guys that, that test for magazines, and and 
certainly even back in the day, all the guys that, that did it. And, and while it's really cool, it's A, not that much fun because you're doing the same berm over and over or whatever. And B, there's no money in it. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's kind of it, exactly. right? People think, oh, dude, it's so stressed. You're in the magazine all the time. You get paid. I'm like, dude, yeah. I don't get no money at all. Right, right. It's, uh, it's a tough way to make a living, but it is super cool to be like, hey, there I am in the magazine. Because right. we all grow up as fans reading all those magazines, you know? Yeah, well, crap, man. I remember reading magazines when I was little one. I didn't even care about, you know, being a pro racer. I just wanted to be in a magazine. Yeah. So. No, I remember the first time I was in one just as a mechanic. It was a motocross action. And, like, it was like oh, a life-changing so moment. Yeah. <laughs> it was a, like a life. It was when Tim Olson was there. It was one of the good guys. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a life-changing moment for me, uh, getting in a magazine. It was because, again, my whole life I've been reading these things, three, three of them every month, you know? so. Did you bring them to, like, how old were you when you were in it? Oh, I don't know, 25, 24 or something. Oh, uh, so you yeah. brought them to clubs and everything. They yeah. just throwing them out to, like, yeah, pretty much. picking it, chicks up. I think it was a summer cross. I think it was, I made it for summer cross. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, good times. No, but, uh, no, the magazine stuff, yeah. I mean, there's a guy sitting in a corner, and he's, like, saying, okay, do this berm 15 times, 20 times. And you come in, and you try to do a berm shot or, or do this jump or whatever. And, sure, you do get the moto down and all that, but at the end of the day, it's also you got to do photos and do the work. Yeah. Basically, I'll give you the rundown, kind of what it is. It's like you get there super early in the morning. Um, obviously, the photographers, they do the static shots. And then, you, of course, you get dressed up. And exactly what you said, you go out and you maybe get one lap, just kind of figure out where they want to shoot. And then you hit the same thing. It could be a jump, could be a berm, you know, 20 to 50 times. And then, right. obviously, any photographer that says, oh, one more time, that means about <laughs> 30, 36 more times. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, but, but yeah, you get to keep, you probably get to keep the gear, I would imagine. And, uh, or at least most times you do. And, uh, and yeah, you get to be in a magazine. So why not? Yeah, it's cool. I like growing up racing. I had, you know, pro license and I had sponsors already. So when I was racing and I got, I mean, I still had the dirt rider gear before I turned pro. So I got to kind of keep the lot of sponsors. So, yeah. which helps them, you know, because their stuff's in the magazine more. So it, mm-hmm. it kind of works out for everybody. I feel like uh, I feel like Dirt Rider is uh, coming around a little bit. Let's say I think they went through. I mean, obviously, you know, it's a, it's a majority of an off-road magazine, but, but so you know, for the, the people who listen to this podcast, maybe they're not picking it up every month, or maybe they are. I'm not sure. I got I had a subscription for a decade, but um, kind of coming back a little bit. I think. You agree? Yeah, I do actually. Um... I was around when Ken Fott was there, so oh, I was wow. under Ken yeah, Fott yeah. for a while, right, right? And it was—I uh, felt like it kind of was kind of big then because Ken knows how to do PR pretty good. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And then it went to Jimmy, and I was under Jimmy for a while. And yeah, people Jimmy. that know Jimmy is—you uh, know—Jimmy's a great guy. Like, if you know Jimmy, he's a good dude. But a lot of people from the outside, he's just—he's not a great people person. Like, he doesn't, yeah, he you know, really... talk to you a lot. Yeah. Like, you know. Like a Chris Tennyson would, like he just really wants to ride yeah, his, so his dirt bike all day long. It was more of an off, and, and you know, Jimmy comes from an off-road background. It was more kind of off-road uh, oriented, mm-hmm. but now that I, that things have changed a little bit with with uh, Chris being the editor, and Jimmy's mm-hmm. still there, and he's a, still a big big part of that. But in, yeah. with Chris being there, and uh, he's more of like an outgoing, younger type of person. So mm-hmm. uh, maybe some more lifestyle stuff will be in the magazine, and maybe just. Um, 
you know, it could be steered to more of a, of a younger off-road crowd and a younger motocross crowd, too. Right. So. And, uh, and Jimmy Lewis just probably, I mean, he just really wants to be left alone and go ride his dirt bike for, you know. Oh, yeah. Let him that know guy what... will go hide out in Nevada somewhere for two weeks and yeah. with a can of Red Bull, a Coors Light, and a water, and he'll be good to go. Yeah, I don't know Jimmy that well. Every time I've spoken to him, he's pretty cool. been a nice guy, and uh, I heard he's pretty good on a dirt bike. And Dennison, I've met a little bit here and there, I think, over the years. And uh, always seem like a cool guy. And, uh, yeah, I mean, hey, it, it, you know, these things come and go. They're cyclical. And uh, so right now, Dirt Rider may be focusing a little more on Supercross and Motocross. But at the same time, you guys have the off-road stuff handled, you know? Like, there's no doubt. Yeah, and, that, and I think that's what's cool about our magazine is, like, we do both, you know? Like, mm-hmm. especially now the work series, which is still a Motocross series, if you think about it. It's yeah. kind of more moto-oriented. And yeah. we do a lot of that. And we still do Supercross and 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 me being from the desert, why am I? I mean, I grew up racing desert, so I like to read about both stuff. So yeah. I think it's a pretty cool, you know, hybrid magazine. Have you done work stuff? Have you done any work stuff? Yeah, actually, I did. I started uh, when I was racing desert. I did work stuff back in when I first started it. You know, yeah. way back in like two thousand two, and right. uh, and it and it was more. It was obviously longer back then, but yeah, it's. It's no joke, and yeah. those guys still rip for a long time. Yeah, I've done uh, I've done a couple, I've done three GNCCs, I think, uh, and I've never done a work series. I always feel like the off road guys they never get their due. Like like I hung out, I worked at KTM in two thousand two thousand and one, so we we were around uh, Shane Watts a lot and uh, and Lafferty and those guys and uh, back east when we were stationed back. Those guys are gnarly. Those guys are gnarly racers. Dude, Shane Watts gnarly. made made uh, those two guys that you mentioned, man, are yeah. probably like. I just remember hearing my, my Jerry Bernardo is one of my good friends because he lived up here for many years, and he used to tell me stories about Watsy just living under his truck and yeah. just weird stuff and just always riding. That's all the guy did is live under his truck yeah. and ride dirt bikes. Yeah, dude, he parked his truck at KTM, and he his shower was a garden hose through a basketball net. And he and like <laughs> he, they're like, hey, Shane, our hotel's down the road. And he's like, no, no, I just live in my box van, plugs into KTM at night, showers with a garden hose over a over – a, uh, basketball net and just rode his balls off every day so uh i always feel like the off-road guys never i mean you know they they, there's not a lot of money there for them and they they don't get a lot of publicity but they're they're gnarly guys anybody at the top of their sport is gnarly yeah i mean just like you know you you look at if you took some of those top off-road guys and stick them in a national they would qualify obviously but do pretty well yeah yeah kyle summers comes out and runs all right and uh um i think who else uh well uh uh, Ricky Dietrich, obviously, from yeah, you know, he he showed that he could do something. Uh, Didn't some GNCC dudes did that for a while at National? Um, like, wasn't it Hawkins or someone did that? Or I don't know. That might have been before my I don't time. Remember. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah. So yeah, things are things are going well at Dirt Rider. And how much? How, if you've ridden all the bikes, what do you think? Oh, I guess you're. You know what, Kiefer? Never mind. You're employed by Yamaha. You're going to say the Yamahas are the best, and we'll no, get, and we'll get I, to I'll that tell you straight up. Like, and we'll get to that. I do, I do contract work, so I mean. What's beneficial is, like, I can just be straight up and be like, look, this is where the Honda is a roach, and this is where it's good. So what? what's uh, the best uh, 250F in your mind? 250F, uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to beat a Cali or a Honda. Yeah. Um, the downside of a Kawasaki that I, I've come into sometimes is, is uh, sometimes it doesn't last as long as a Honda. seems uh-huh. like Honda has a little bit better quality. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the KTM seems a little down on power this year, actually. Right. I don't know if it's the electric start or, or what it is. It seems kind of heavy yeah. and sluggish. I read that, be- and 
back in the day when you were racing them, they were the fastest for a few years there. When they came out, oh, they, yeah. they were they were hellishly fast. But yeah, um, yeah I've, I read they've taken some steps back. Yeah, it's just a this feels kind of lethargic feeling, you know. And you get on like a Cowie or a Honda, it feels real peppy and mm-hmm. and real responsive and. And the motor's, you know, pretty good stock. And uh-huh. that's what I don't think people understand is how much development goes into uh, everything on a production bike. You know, people are so quick to, I'm going to get my suspension done or I'm yeah, going to yeah, put this yeah. or this on my bike. And, man, people, I mean, you got to understand is there's a lot of time that goes into each and every part on a, on a production dirt bike. Yeah, yeah, and, and the, the cliche is that, you know, you can't go wrong with picking any bike. And back in the day, that was a cliche because there was some shitty bikes in the 80s and maybe even in the 90s. But I really feel like nowadays you can't go wrong. They're all so good. Yeah. For the- and that's the truth. And, and then we end up saying that in the magazine. They're like, oh, you can't go wrong. Everybody's like, oh, you're, you guys are bullshit. And, you know, right, right. Or, you know, it's like, no, we're really not. I mean, it just depends how you ride and your wallet and, yeah. you know, what you want to go with. Uh, best 450 in your eyes. Man, uh, my choice this year was a Honda. Yeah. Um, not so much because of the motor. The motor is probably not the, the greatest motor, but uh-huh. the bike is so easy to ride, and it feels so dang light right. that you actually ride it versus the other bikes kind of ride you, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and the, just the Honda itself just feels like it's going back to, you know, my favorite bike of all time was in 2008 CRF 450. It was just, yeah. man, you couldn't beat that bike. You can get on that bike right now and, and haul butt. Yeah, people, everybody, uh, I think a lot of people would agree with you. No doubt about it. I spoke to Tim Olson about that, too, and he agrees. You know, when the, And then the 09 was a big step backwards, but they're sort of back now. They fixed the yeah, flaws that, over the years. Yeah, and that's where that feeling's coming back. When I got them, I'm like, man, I'm starting to get that feeling back. Right. So hopefully when they go to that, I don't know what they did for the 13, but hopefully they'll go backwards with it. Yeah, all new I hear. I hear all new, but then but then I hear from some Honda guys, not all new. Um, you know, the, I don't know yeah. if you saw the Borbyshev and, and Conclave's bike, but uh, uh, I, I hear that's not going to happen. So I don't know, for the production anyways. Yeah, and, like, and going to the 450s, like the Honda's a great bike, feels light, you know, you can ride it, and the Cowie's obviously awesome motor, um, still feels a little bit big. Um, Suzuki's awesome too. It's just, you know, obviously sometimes they have, uh, you know, things go wrong with them versus, you know, make them last. And, and everybody knocks on the Yamaha too, but you know what? I mean, I got to say that thing, all you have to do is put oil in it or change your oil and check your valves maybe once or twice and ride that thing. Cause that thing doesn't ever break. That thing just keeps going. <laughs> yeah, no, really. Yeah. Um, and then, so, uh, well, we'll get we'll get to the Yamaha in a little bit, but what, when you read other magazines, uh, Trans World, um, Dirt Bike, uh, MXA, uh, even even Racer X's own, we do shootouts online. Pingree kind of uh, uh, that's his department. What do you find? Everyone's kind of the same, or is there sometimes that where you wonder if guys are just out to lunch? <laughs> yeah, we might have to go there. Um... Well, I, yeah, no, I'm not looking you to trash anybody. I just mean like. Uh, as a guy that works, uh, rides the rides a ton for Yamaha, and then does magazine stuff, um, do you sometimes wonder where your fellow editors are coming from? Yeah, no, I, I do. Um, I actually read everyone's test just because I like to see how each 
each magazine mm-hmm. does their their testing because you know obviously I know how we do it, and um, I think for me I think Transworld could step up their their testing mm-hmm. you know department a little bit yeah as far as like uh, how it's done and how they rank it and um, their explanations of tests. Um, I'm not a huge fan of motocross action by all means. I mean, you probably can tell from my tweets sometimes that I'm Jody is not uh, yeah not the biggest fan of Jody, but they do have a solid testing. I mean, that they, they race them, they ride them, and mm-hmm. you know they test a lot of their stuff. So I actually do like some of their testing, and and you know, Ping does great testing because he knows what a dirt bike does and doesn't do. Right. And dirt bike, I don't. I'm not too sure on what they do actually. Uh, <laughs> It's hard for right. me to tell sometimes with that magazine. Uh, yeah, the thing with the thing with MXA is that uh, uh, you know Bash John Basher is a good rider and a good guy, and uh, he's there helping out. And I, I know they got some other guys there, but it's really Jody's world, and he comes up with the opinions. But he's not, and, he, and he's an all right rider, but he, he's definitely getting up there a little bit. And you wonder, you know, I, I I've done some bike tests with him where he rode the the race team bikes. And then I watched him ride, and then I read the review, and I'm like, all right, okay. You yeah, know what like, I mean? how do you even know what that just did? Because you weren't even in that part of the power. Yeah, pretty much, kind of, you know. But, but, but having said that, they, do, uh, they, do, they have done some good work, although I think that since, since Tim Olsen left, uh, they've lost a little bit um, as far as it goes there, you know. So. Yeah, I agree. And I think Basher does take a lot of the, lot of the heat, but mm-hmm. I, I, also, I like Basher. And I think uh, some of that is – with Jody, like you said, it just seems more like a little high school click versus, you know, yeah. let's break it yeah. down how it should be. Yeah, and, uh, you know, bikes do need to be ridden at other tracks other than Glen Helen. Not sure. Exactly. If, I'm not sure if they got that memo or not, but, uh, hey, they are what they are. And they're, for me, they're gold, like, to make fun of. They're gold. They keep doing it. Oh, and, man. And it, yeah. It's awesome, dude. Like, it, even when I race the REM races there, and I, I do that quite a bit, yep. um, it, it, it's retarded. I mean, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, I was leading, it was with Kyle Summers and with all these dudes, and they didn't say one thing about me just because, you know, I was having my Dirt Rider logo on yeah. my uh, yeah. on my on my jersey, and I'm like, yeah. and, and not that I care, like, I need something from that, but I'm just thinking to myself, man, what if some young kid, uh, you know, was ripping up front, and they were doing stuff with Dirt Rider, and he was looking for, you know, maybe some publicity to, to get him help, right. and they won't, right. they won't help him at all. I find it hilarious that people, the fans, uh, and I don't want to turn this into a bash rest, we'll move on, but I find it hilarious when the fans are like, they call it like it is, but if you actually knew behind the scenes, like, they're, they really look after their buddies, they really don't call it like it is, they're actually the exact opposite, but if they tell you in print they call it like it is, I guess enough people will believe it, you know? That's kind of what I laugh about. But Mattis, doesn't that fit uh, the motorcycle community in a, in a T pretty much? What do you mean? Yeah, just as far as like, I mean, to me, I wouldn't say everyone, but a lot of the the motorcycle community is like, uh, take care of their own, you know. Oh, and, okay, and yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah, um, no. yeah, definitely. Um, I agree with that. Although, I when people say that kind of stuff, and then people say that, uh, you know, the media doesn't report all the stuff, which we I get a lot. I always think to myself, you know what? It's probably like that if you're in the coal mining business for example they take care of their own they look after their own the media who covers the coal mining may not report everything they see or hear you know what i mean i almost think like it's like yeah, that everywhere and, and i guess i shouldn't say that like with with media stuff i'm more talking about like uh 
certain, just certain, you know, obviously certain things, and then obviously the people on the outside, you know, they don't really kind of grasp it. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah, I'll give you that for sure, definitely. Um, but, uh, yeah, the the, uh, the magazine world is competitive, but yet on the other hand, like, you know, we're doing this uh, Racer X podcast, uh, and you work for Dirt Rider, or you do stuff for Dirt Rider, and I tell you what, Davey Coons would be fine with it. And I know that Davey, Davey last year, one of the nationals, obviously they promote him, MX Sports does, Transworld guys couldn't make it, and Davey supplied them with a video from the event because they couldn't make it because of the storm. So it's like we're all competitive, but yet we're all kind of helping each other, except for those other guys. <laughs> right. Yeah, we all we – all, and what it comes down to is, like, we all started doing whatever it is, you know, magazines, test riding. Yeah. It is because we love riding dirt bikes. And yeah. I think we all need to grasp it's not, you know, something yeah. crazy. It's just dirt bikes. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to these podcasts. They wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for btosports.com as well as the other advertisers. So I appreciate if you just listen to this, deal with it, order some stuff from BTO, and then we'll get right back to the show. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the btosports.com podcast show. Please don't forget that BTO is the world leader in aftermarket motocross parts for the bike or body. You'll find deals like a Shoei VFXW helmet for $309.99, 45% off, or Smith Piston goggles for $32.99, 65% off. Your order can be shipped at anywhere in the USA for free, or if you're not in the USA, we ship worldwide. Check it out at btosports.com. JT Racing USA is back to reestablish its deep roots in the motocross industry with an all-new, innovative line of racewear and casual wear. While bringing many of JT's strongest design elements from its golden years back to life, the racewear is constructed with the highest grade material on the market and has a technological fit, feel, and function that is sure to raise the bar in how motocross gear is being built. JT has relaunched itself back into motocross with the Pro Tour jersey, classic pants, lifeline, and flex field gloves in eight colorways with an assortment of men's and women's casual wear to add to its collection. By redefining the meaning of airflow, JT has incorporated its airline system technology into this collection and have launched their all-new ALS2 helmet in seven colorways to complete the rebirth of the brand. The wait is over. Is uh, is Carl Kramer still a dirt rider? No, Carl uh, left. Uh, I don't know how what long ago Carl it was. Doing? But he's doing some online stuff for some company that I'm not aware of right now. Okay, yeah, he was. God, he was there forever. He was there forever. Yeah, I, I love Carl, man. He's such a great guy, and he, I owe him a lot because he's kind of like I said, he's mm-hmm. he kind of got me started in the testing. I always, every time I saw him at the track, because I knew who he was, I go, "Hey, do you need a photo model?" And he's yeah, like, yeah. "No, not right now, not right now." And then. <laughs> And then uh, uh, one day he called me up and he's like, "Hey, so and so got hurt. I need you to fill in for him." And mm-hmm. then I just kind of fell into it. He just liked yeah. how I looked on a bike and how I evaluated, and that's kind of how I got started with everything. He's uh, he's kind of an iconic magazine guy now. So you know, for, for how many years he's been in it, you know, um, yeah, like a super hunky or a Tom Webb or you know any of those guys, or even Joe, yeah. you know, so. Exactly, yeah, the Wolfman and that, uh, what what they call it? Um, Super Hunky? What was his name? Super Hunky. Yeah, was Rick something? Rick or Seaman. What that was his real yeah, name was? Rick Seaman, yeah. There you go. Um, So, hey, are your racing days over now? Are you still, are you going to, you show up anywhere? And I mean, REM, obviously, but, I mean, are your pro racing days kind of over? No, actually, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm obviously, I'm older now, and right. uh, I got a family, and, and then I've got a real job as far as testing, but yeah. I still have the, the itch to race, and and I think I can still do it pretty good. So 
I'm going to race the first three outdoor nationals just because oh, cool. uh, yeah. I, I want to see if I can get a, you know, a national. And I kind of want to do that before I, like, give it all up. Yep, yep. And, uh, you know, just like every other guy out there chasing the dream, I guess. And <laughs> You'll do uh, Hangdown, Texas, and uh, Mount Morris, I guess? Colorado. Oh, Colorado? Okay. Yeah. Um, and do the three, and then maybe uh, if there's some time, and I got some time between testing, maybe go up for a couple rounds of cans just because I love it up there. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's a cool series up there. I'm looking forward to seeing what's going on. All, your, all the guys are on KTM now. I don't know how much you follow it, but uh, they're all on KTM. Yeah, I told Andy, man, I, I guess I'm out because every time Andy invites me up to like a one race deal, and he had he had some room. And I don't think he has any room right now. I know, huh? It's crazy. Um. Anyways, uh, uh, yeah. So, hey, let's talk a little bit about your Yamaha job. How did that come about? Uh, working at Yamaha, testing for them. W- was I there at Yamaha when you were doing it? You know what? I don't. I don't think you were. I think you just. I don't. I don't know. I don't think you were because I would have ran into you. I left. Uh, I left uh, right before like. I left November of '05, late '05. Okay, so we might you might have just were there for a few months when I was there then. Okay, all right. So you just uh, what is it? You just basically Steve Butler uh, oversees the R and D program. He's the one who hired you. Basically, no. Um, how how it all went down? Like I said, Carl kind of. I was at you know a dirt rider shoot, and Ed Scheidler oh, was there okay doing doing magazine stuff, and Ed came up to me and goes, uh, "Would you like to do some some testing for us?" So and this is right before the 250F came out. And this is, you know, this is pre, you know, yeah. when I got hired on. Right, right. And I started doing some contract work for Ed for the new 250F before it came out. And uh-huh. uh, he uh, he decided, you know, I wasn't full of shit and I knew what I was talking <laughs> about. Because yeah. uh, Ed always had a little agenda no matter what he did. He's like, uh, let's see if this kid really knows what he's talking about. So there's always kind of games played. But yeah, uh, yeah. I came through with flying colors and... Uh, just kind of went from there, and I was a contract guy for a few years, and then I was I uh, got approached by the GYTR people. Oh, okay. Yeah, Mike, Mike Mahachi. And I was, yeah, Mahachi. Yep. And uh, Mahachi offered me a job, and that's when I was actually, I was at uh, kind of doing stuff for KTM, too, because Yamaha was getting kind of slow, and they had Doug, um, obviously Doug and Dustin Nelson, so I was kind of yep. like the third guy. Right. And uh, I was doing stuff for Ryan Raglan at KTM, and I told Rags, I go, hey man, I need to do something because I'm having a kid, and yeah. I need to do, you know, full time. And he's like, I can't do that. So and that's when I went over to Yamaha, and uh, yeah. I was actually the accessory GYTR accessory test uh, test guy. Okay, so yeah, they and when I was there, we were going through some different vendors. They were going through different vendors with pipes. We had different manufacturers making the pipes, so I imagine that you were testing all of those and trying to figure out which one would work and which one wouldn't, vendor-wise. And all yeah, that. that's yeah. back when they were uh, those huge bazooka-looking things. Yeah, yeah, they? yeah. We had, uh, uh, I think Muzzy built them one year when I was. Oh, that's there. right. Yeah, because Todd, um, he's actually still there at Yamaha. He was from Muzzy, and they brought him over from Muzzy. Mm-hmm. So you would test so- all the carbon fiber stuff that they made from Willie and and all the different parts, like everything, like not just pipes yeah. and stuff, everything. Yeah, everything, everything, uh, anything that YPAD did, I, I, I was the guy to test them, mm-hmm. and um, obviously I still do stuff with Butler too for you know production stuff, but I was kind of like the the testing whore, so to speak. So they use me in all different kinds of areas. Yeah, yeah. Do you have fun when you ride a, a rhino or um, a, a, a snowplow, or like is that fun or is that just whatever? <laughs> no, it's actually you know it's different. So like. You know, they say, oh, you're going to Alaska, and you're so pumped. You're like, oh, it's going to be so sick. I'm going to go to Alaska. And then you get there, and 
and the dude tells you, "Hey, man, don't pee outside because your pee will freeze up to your your, your ween." I'm like, "Oh, okay, come I won't on, do really? That. Really?" And the, <laughs> oh yeah, I was tripping out when he talked. Like, there's no way. Yeah, that's not possible. Yeah, not to get off subject, but the guy was like, he boiled water, and we're in this like hot thing. He boiled some water, mm-hmm. came outside, and threw it up, and the, the, it came down like icicles. Come on. Really? No, dude, and I was like, okay, I ain't peeing outside, but yeah, just don't pee outside. So, besides that, no, it was cool. I got to go up to like certain cool spots, and uh, me and one other guy, and they uh, a Yamaha shop up there supplied a rhino, and we went up there and installed a, a snow plow. And like, okay, you have a yeah. an X amount of hours to use this plow, and we end up plowing parking lots and people's houses and <laughs> just finding whatever it needs to be done. And it was yeah. cool, you know, yeah. for like the first two days. And then, yeah, it gets really old after that. Yeah, yeah really, huh? Now, they do endurance testing on dirt bikes, obviously. Uh, R&D guys do. You know, where you got to ride a 30-minute motor or a 40-minute motor or whatever. Do they do the same thing with uh, when testing with uh, your end of stuff? Do they, do they put a clock on you and say, hey, do not come in until, you know, whatever time is gone? As far as, like, uh, the snowplow stuff? Or anything, dirt bike stuff? anything, yeah, anything. Dirt, um, anything varies. Like, yeah. uh, dirt bikes is a certain amount. A lot of the stuff is a certain amount of kilometers. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, like, a lot of the Y-pad stuff was kilometers. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd have to wear, like, a, what do they call it, those little fag bag things, those fanny packs? Yep, yep. And uh, or the satchel, or not a satchel, satchel. that was something else. That, that's a purse or something, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what Indiana Jones but, uh, You put like a GPS in there and you get the kilometer of where you're riding, and then you do a certain amount of laps. So, yeah, they say, okay, put 1500k on that. Uh-huh. And then uh, snowplow stuff was, you know, obviously on hours, and so was quads. That was on hours also. Yeah. Um, how much stuff do you do with Butler in the R&D department? Do you, do you do much? I see. I see Butler quite a bit, actually. Um, it's everything's kind of slowed down, obviously, because the economy and mm-hmm. and you know, obviously, the bikes, you know, need to be changed. So it'll it'll start picking up here soon with some new stuff that that's coming out down the line. But uh, what? But do- yeah, I mean, I I haven't done anything with Butler in, in a little while, but and I'm sure it'll pick up here pretty soon. What? Uh, but God, God Yamaha, I, I don't know, like. I've been hard on them uh, in some articles here and there, and you know, yeah. I've criticized them a little bit, and uh, and I've gotten some heat from it. But people forget that I also criticized the the '09 Honda 450 that, to this day, still gives Tedesco nightmares. You know, um, so it's not like every OEM has their issues. And the Suzuki Kawasaki 250F merger thing, that bike was horrid. Yeah, um, yeah that bike was a pile, wasn't it? Yeah. So people kind of have short memories when it comes to that. But right now, I'm kind of. I've been critical of Yamaha because I just I just feel like their 250F is outdated, and you can tell me all you want about making more peak horsepower with a carburetor, but I'll tell you that the bogs and hesitation on a supercross track, you know, they'll take a the little bit less horsepower. And the 450, man, I don't like that thing. Is just it is controversial. And now, and, and people who are listening, I cover pro racing, and you know, 99% of the people that race buy a Yamaha 450 will probably never have a problem and love the bike, you know, but, but on the pro racing, man, there's a lot of guys that have a lot of opinions about that thing. So let me ask you, Chris Kiefer, what do you think of the 450? Like what is some of the stuff off base? I mean, I, t- I spent a lot of time this past uh, off season. I spoke to D- Dubok came up here for a vet race and, uh, uh, you know, Doug's a great guy and, uh, a very good, you know, uh, very smart guy and, and very with it. And, you know, his points about the Yamaha were very valid and very, uh, and it almost had me change my mind a little bit. But, you know, what do you think? Very persuasive, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He is. I've known <laughs> Dr. D for a while, and 
And, he, and he's a good guy. You you don't want to, you know, he's a good guy. Yeah. Basically, um, I raced my, I went up to Canada last year and I had my Yamahas and um, I tried to build my motor. Um, it, 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 it didn't work out. I had to go back to a stock motor because it actually made the bike handle worse for me. Yeah. Um, you know, I was having my suspension done and I think as a whole, the bike is, is pretty good when you ride it at a certain level. And then maybe when you get to a higher level, um, the bike doesn't want to do the same thing every lap. Right. It, uh, it obviously, uh, you hit the same bump, the same way, the same speed, and it doesn't do the same thing. Um, so whether that be people, you know, are deciding, oh, it's the tilt of the motor or it's the chassis or it's this or it's that, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just a different motorcycle and, like like you said, going back to the 2009 Honda, it it has growing pains, and I think it just needs to go through those. And yeah. it's going to I think it's going to be a great bike, and I think it's a good bike right now. I just think it's it's not a great bike for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Ferry and Josh Coppins have both told me when you add horsepower, it gets a little sketchy when you start. Oh really? Okay. But yeah, because I, I haven't really heard anybody say that. But when I was you know yeah. telling the guys there, I'm like, man. Yeah. And Frenchie built my motor for Canada. I'm like, told Frenchie, I came back. And I go, no, dude, I yeah. gotta have you gotta mellow this thing down. He's like, really? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. it, the power's great, but it, it can't handle. And uh, yeah. man, we went back to basically a stock piston, a stock cam. I just put a pipe on it and left it. Yeah, yeah. It seems like a little weird bike, and the more power you add, the, the twitchier it gets, or the weirder it gets. But uh, and then uh, as far as the 250F, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, carburetor, oil tank, uh, all that kind of stuff. Do you see something changing down the road? Uh, obviously, you you can't tell us too much. You're, you're contracted by yeah, Yamaha. But... Uh, and, and I don't know too much, actually. I just I know that, obviously, they're going to have to do something. And yeah, um, I think the chassis is one of the best 250F chassis out right now. Mm-hmm. The bike turns really good. It, it pivots off of things really well, like when a yeah. – to me, what I what I notice a lot is when you uh, go through a, a rut or a berm and it gets blown out, and yeah. you can actually pivot it off of it, you know, mm-hmm. without hitting the blown out part, you know, really easy. And uh, just the motor is is probably the one of the, the you know one of the most lethargic in the class. It just yeah. once you're on top, it's pretty good, but it just doesn't build really quick right. and just feels lazy. Yeah. Uh, what's one thing that um... What's one thing that a local guy who's listening to this, a local racer, what kind of stuff should they do to their bike to to make it work better? Do you think, in your opinion, like what uh, a lot of people, like you said, just ship their suspension off without even worrying about it? Even and even Ross Maeda, who I did a podcast with, or maybe that was Rob Anderson from RG3. One of those guys told me, "Hey, ride the bike first before you send your suspension off." You know, ride it. Yeah. And and what what do you think? What do you see at the local level that or guys complaining about that you're like, "Hey, this is what you need to do." Basically, the thing I see, just like you said, is um, the first mistake I get, you know, obviously the guys that buy the new bikes, they want their stuff to look the best or the coolest, or they see the guys that, you know, the pro racers have this, this, and this, and and, then, and they talk about it, so they assume that that's what they need for their bikes. But mm-hmm. like I said earlier in the podcast, it's, I mean, you don't, you, I mean, people understand how much time goes into a set of production suspension yeah. to make it where it's, it's, it's cozy for a range of guys, you know, from 150 pounds up to two bills, you know? So right. 
it, it just, I think the most important thing with when you get your bike or any bike race, just to get comfortable with it. And if that means to get a new set of bars or have, you know, a, a seat foam or your pegs or whatever yeah, you like, need, like, just like, so yeah, like where you're, you're at. Yeah, to get comfortable. And then if you still whatever, need. Right. I'm sorry? Like if you're 6'2, six, 6'3, six, set it up comfortable. If you're a short guy, get some seat lower foam, whatever you need to do to get comfy. Yeah, and that's when you can maybe ride it to your potential, and then maybe, okay, then you find out, oh, yeah, I do need some springs, or I do need, mm-hmm. you know, some suspension work. But, you know, on a 250F, if a guy went out and bought a new 250F, I would recommend, obviously, if you're at a better level, you might want to get a muffler, and you might want to do a piston. But a lot of the 450s out now, I mean, the motors, the motors are so good stock. Right. I would I would leave them stock, get comfortable with your you know, your riding position and your bike, and then go from there. The Obviously, uh, the best bike maybe you've ever tested was the 08 Honda 450. You kind of said that earlier. Um, uh, what's the worst bike in all your years of testing? What, what, what's, a, what's a bike that you just uh, couldn't well, make work? The, the worst bike, I would think, to me, is uh, I read a, a older Husky four-stroke. <laughs> well, I think it was like a... Maybe it was like an '09 or an '08, and oh, so not that old. I'm thinking. I was thinking about like 2002 or three or whatever, but no, like nah. No, this is like a newer version, and and I've rode a lot of bikes, but you know, uh, that thing just all it just vibrated. It every time you think you were going fast, it would just want to vibrate loose, and it never did uh, anything that you would want it to do. It made you feel like inferior as a rider. Like, do I suck this bad? Well, what's but, uh, funny? What's funny about Husky uh, um, is uh, they they seem to, and I don't know if they still do this, but for for two three years, they would fly people to Italy, full expense, all expenses paid, to come ride the bikes. And generally speaking, all the magazine guys would be like, "This thing's pretty good," <laughs> but they also got a free trip to Italy and and probably had a blast doing it. So I always thought it was pretty funny. Where I was like, "Well, you don't see Husky actually, you know." grinding it out of the local tracks. They just see people flying to Italy to test them. And, you know, in all fairness, I should say this, and, it, and it, the off-road bikes are pretty legit. Like, they're pretty good. Like, they feel good, and uh, it's it's the motocross bikes I think they need more development with. Yeah. Uh, Michael Lieb yeah. rode them, you know, last year. Um, oh, God bless him. God yeah, bless him. He said that he thought a, a sewing machine was faster. And and to, no, be, I mean, and, and to be fair to him, I went to the GP last year, and this was their factory team. And they sounded like there was a rag in the airbox. They seriously sounded like no other bike on the track. Like there wasn't a rag in the airbox, both guys. And the thing is, that's probably one of their better their motocross bikes is their 250F. Yeah. And actually, <laughs> it's uh, we just did a 125 shootout with Dirt Rider last week. And I rode the Husky 120, the wow. 125 Husky two-stroke. Yeah. And that thing is that thing is fast. That thing is great. I'm like, I was almost in shock because I was like, no, you get on a bike and you try to be, you know, okay, clean slate, you know, but you still got that stuff in the back of your yeah. mind that you rode. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I went out and rode. And I was at Zaka, and I was like, man, this thing is a blast. This thing pulled. It it was clean. It, it turned. I was like, so you guys, and I got on the Yamaha, and it wasn't too far from the Yamaha 125. That's saying a lot. Yeah. So. so you guys did a shootout with three bikes? Three one twenty five. Uh, it was the YZ, uh, the TM one twenty five, oh, and the Husky one twenty five. Oh, you had a KT or TM, nice. Yeah, and and the KTM. So we had four bikes. How was how was the TM? Um, 
it was a little down on power, but it wasn't horrible. No, yeah. I mean the bike, man. You look at the bike and it looks bitching, yeah, man. You're like, wow, that thing looks sick. A lot of like really sweet looking parts on it, you know? Yeah, and they got those cool, you know, blingy blue rims and a lot of billet stuff, and it looks really nice. Wow, Chris Kiefer riding TMs and Huskies. <laughs> yeah. I'm living the dream. Yeah. I used to go race pro, and I just do that. Yeah, try to get a TM factory ride and go race pro. There's oh some, man, there's some dudes in Canada that have a TM factory ride. I'm sure it's not that, factory, but there is some sort of support from TM. To some I remember uh, when I was at KTM, I went to Austria a couple times. I went to the factory and uh, we went to a lot of tracks in Italy, and and uh, I forget the names of them now. But there's one used to have a national there. And uh, did you go by the one by Milan to- Airport? Uh, yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, they, they do a lot of testing there. It's, uh, yeah, I used to have a GP there back in the day. Yeah, and I saw this, the, the TM factory guys were up to the Euro guys, and I, I don't forget the guy's name now, but the guy was hauling. Well, I was thinking. There was a Leoch from Estonia who wrote TMs for Tanya Leoch, that's yeah. who it oh, was. Oh, dude, that guy's legit. Yeah, no, he's legit. That guy was ripping on that thing. <laughs> I was like, how is he going that fast on that thing? Yeah. There's no way. He's on Cowies now, I think, for 2012, but uh, he he rode those for two or three years. Yeah, fast. Fast. I was like, wow, I give those guys props. Uh, what's the weirdest place you've ever raced in or gone to to race or anything? Has, has, have you done anything like that? Um. Yeah, I was in Germany. I went to Germany. I did the JT thing for oh, a couple did? years. Yeah. And uh, I went and rode for Kozak KTM. Okay, yeah, I know that team. I went, I did the whole series too when I was, I had a dream as a mechanic to be a GP guy. Um, and yeah, Bert, you know Bern Eckenbach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the team manager at the time. And, and a funny quick story about Bern was. He, he, he uh, actually just quit racing he, not too long ago. He was racing yeah, for a long he, time. He was a pretty legit open class rider, wasn't he? Yep, yep. Um, yeah, before I went, signed the deal to go over there, I uh, was out riding at a local track here, Race Town. And. And Dubak was there, and Dubak got this guy out uh, to ride with him. And, and this was when I was younger, and I was like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. kind of wild. And so, and my girlfriend was there at the time, and she's like, oh, I dare you to go out and ride in your underwear and uh, just go rip a motor in your underwear, knee braces, and helmet. And mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. All right. So I see Doug, and obviously me and Doug know each other. So I go out and ride, and he's this other guy's behind, and I'm ripping around on this 125, and I pass this other guy, and I get in front of Doug and do this whole goon riding thing. And they can't even ride; they're dying laughing so bad because my butt cheeks are hanging out, and I'm yeah. so white and pasty because I'm a ginger, <laughs> so it just looks so gross. So they have to they have to pull off the track, and they're dying laughing, and I'm talking to this guy and Doug, and they're laughing. So, you know, I get the KTM Kozak deal, and not knowing anything, not even thinking about it, I, I meet my team manager, and I'm like, son of a bitch, I know this guy's face from somewhere. He's like, yes, uh, Chris, I remember you from that day at, at Race Town with Doug. And I'm like, no way. And it was burned, and he remembers me from that G-string days. It was pretty funny. <laughs> that guy's got a good memory, though, right? Yeah, I was like, and then I had dinner with the family, and I'm like, ah, oh, I feel so awkward, you know. And but uh, yeah, the weirdest places were like Germany, and you know, going to those kind of things. And uh, did you do? Uh, did you do Dortmund? Dortmund, uh, Chemnitz, Munich. Oh yeah, those yeah. ones. Did you? Did That's you... probably the, the the weirdest dirt I've ever ridden in too. Really spongy and yeah. like weird. We did one when I went did the series in the winter of '99. We went to a town called Kiel, which is the northern part of Germany where the Swedish and Finnish boats come in from, like, the the, the ferries. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. 
And the lap times were uh, 28 seconds. 28 seconds. Yep, that's how bad this one was, like 26, 28. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you beat JT? Probably not. Uh, I think JT was killing it that year. I did beat Casey Johnson because it's so weird, though. You're like, you yeah, have to have yeah. a heat and a semi and then yeah. like a final. And, and no one beats, so no one remember, beats JT uh, in Germany. Nobody beats JT in Germany. <laughs> no, he was on it that year. Like, I went out there and it was with me, Joe Aloff, Michael Brandis, and Casey, and I think JT. And, yeah. Uh, man, and I remember Michael Brandis and Casey, they didn't make it to the semifinal, and they're up in the stands already drunk, just rooting me <laughs> on, just partying. Casey and Johnson. And JT's all serious. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. Very serious racer, as as you know if you listen to the Pulp Show. Very serious. <laughs> yeah. He, he might be the, the guy. Awesome, man. I uh, kind of grew up with him a little bit racing Supercross and stuff. But uh, he might be back, the... in, back in the day, I set him up with a chick, too. I don't know really? if I told you that. No, no. Oh, yeah. You got to ask him about this. Hey, Kiefer said he set you up with this chick. Oh, and Keith yeah. Kim, uh, might want to talk to him about that. Perhaps on Monday we will ask him. Um, yeah. Uh, that's funny. And he's probably one of the guys that's made the most with the least. You know what I mean? Not not a ton of talent. I mean, obviously very good rider, but, you know, he's done done well for himself over the years, considering all things considered. Right. Um, and that's the thing. Like, you got so many guys that – how many guys are, are you know, obviously right. Chad and Villapoto's level? Not yeah. very many. Uh, give me a funny Travis Preston story. You got any growing up? Uh, let's see. Uh, well, uh, this is a this is a story, and I've never really asked him if it was true or not. But uh-huh. I've heard it from more than one person, and I've heard it from a sister. Um, me and Travis quit riding at the same time, yeah. like back in the day, and like he was already like he's riding to ninety eight or something somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. he was on at, like before Suzuki's or just whenever he was riding back right, then. Right, and then he's like. And I I quit too, and I was like, oh, I'm over dirt bikes, blah 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 blah, you know, and right. I'm gonna go get a job. And so I got a job doing uh, it was called bull gang. I was a bull ganger, which is I I went to the Texaco refinery in Long Beach and grinded slag off the wells, off these big oh, oil rings, you know, oh, up man. in there. And he's like, yeah. can you get me a job? And I'm like, yeah. So he got a job. So we we would carpool back and forth, you know, and. And he was like, man, I, I don't know if I can do this. I can't do this. Riding was so much easier. I can't do this. I'm like, well, you know, just give it another week or so. Right. And so I, I go back to work the next day. And you sometimes we carpool, but we didn't carpool for some reason that day. And yeah, yeah he wasn't there. Yeah. I'm like, well, where's he at? And no lie, the guys told me on the job site, he's like, he won the lottery. I'm like, what? <laughs> I came back home. No, I, I called his sister. And yeah. he's like, yeah, he won. He won a scratcher on a lottery, and he went and bought two bikes. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. I know. I've talked to him about it. It's crazy. He was done. He quit. I, he won ten grand or fifty grand or like. Yeah, he won. That's what they said. He won ten grand on a Seven Eleven scratcher. Yeah, and went and bought two Suzukis and went racing again. I know, dude. He was done. Retired out of the sport. Won the lottery. Got back in. Got a factory Honda ride. <laughs> dude, how gnarly is that? Guy was working with me. Homie wins a championship. Yeah. And yeah, that's gnarly. And like he wins the championship this '98. He wins a championship three years later. Right. Three 2001, that's, I think. Yeah. That, make, that hurts. That hurts me a lot, man. <laughs> I shoot. I quit the next day thinking I was in the same thing and I didn't get nothing. <laughs> yeah. No, t- no title for you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That that is pretty funny. No, it's a great story. Uh, it, uh, I tell people, other people, and they don't believe me. The same thing as you. They don't believe me. 
Um, right, and, and every time I see him, and he was here for a couple of months, you know, hanging right. out in the winter, right. and I never even ask. I always forget to talk to him about it. Yeah, yeah, you should. It's good times. Uh, and also, too, uh, I see by your tweets, good buddies with Michael Lessie and the Lessies. You ride up with them quite a bit. Yeah, um, Tony and Mike, and uh, I don't see Jeff as much, but Danielle. <laughs> shocker, <and> I, shocker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I go there to their, their compound, you know, whatever they call it, and yeah. uh, I go practice with them and rouse them. And, you know, I I love the lessees. They have not, yeah. been nothing but great things for me, and they're always really nice. And Tony's hardcore, and, yeah, man. They, and Mike lives right two blocks away from me, so, yeah, it works out great. Tony's hardcore. I guess hard Tony is gnarly, like no lie, but Tony busts his ass too. Like yeah. people don't see what he does for Mike, and I mean when we get out there, he's like, "All right, everybody out here at eight, yeah. you better be dressed. Practice starts at eight thirty. It's all structured when you get out there, you know." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Mike's been out there for four hours already, ripping and watering, and right. Yeah, it's crazy. So, yeah. No, they're he's, they're, he's, they're dedicated. He's in it for his kids. Got to give him that. No doubt about it. Uh, Kiefer, thank you, Chris Kiefer. Thank you for doing the. Uh, btosports.com racer x podcast man uh very interesting stories uh great uh great history and, and i like doing stuff doing these podcasts with guys like you that you know aren't in the limelight but i've done a lot and have a lot to say and some real cool stories they're always uh there's a ton of guys like you that that you know um have really cool backgrounds and so yeah thank you very much no problem yeah and thanks and and like i said you know not all of us can be uh factory guys and racers but you know what's cool is like it to make a living and riding a dirt bike no matter what so it's, yeah. it's a good deal and uh, keep running those pulp stickers and uh i got you gotta send me some you haven't sent me oh any. i got a whole bunch of new ones yeah yeah text me your address uh, or uh, or tweet me your address and um i got a whole new bunch i'll batch in like two weeks ago i forgot so i'll get on it yeah there was a die cut ones because those are better yeah no that's what i got i got die cut ones so you're you're dialed and if anybody's listening that wants die cut ones too bad i don't have that many but i'll give you the other crappier ones but not the die cut. Die yeah, cuts. Give me the crap ones. Give die, me the good ones. Die cuts are for guys like Kiefer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, man. Hey, thanks very much, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Matt. See ya. See ya. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Steve Mathis Show. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to find the more than 200 episode archive, or get the Pulp MX app for your iPhone for the complete Pulp MX fix.